Hey there, listeners. It's Greg, and I'm back with a new episode of Random Encounter and, of course, some news to get into before we get to the episode. So, uh, listen up. First of all, we have the Flashback Friday feature that Mark Chan has been keeping up on, and he goes into uh, his experiences and love of the Dungeons & Dragons arcade cabinet that uh, was kicking around back in the day. I unfortunately never got to play it myself, but I did play it on Xbox Live Arcade, which he talks about as well. So if uh, you want to go down memory lane into arcade consoles of the 90s, then uh, give this week's edition a read. Another fantastic feature, and this one a bit more lengthy, of course, than the Flashback Friday Bites, is uh, We Saved the World, Now What? Exploring Final Fantasy X-Tunes theme of rebuilding. This comes from Neil Chandran, who looks at what happens after you beat the game. And Final Fantasy X-2 is one of the few games that kind of deals with that. So give this article a read. It's a great, uh, great read, and I hope you enjoy it. Over in the reviews department, it's basically the Audra Bowling Show, but some other people have uh, guest starred as well. The first one she reviewed is Genshin Impact, and we talked about that not too long ago with Caitlin a couple episodes back. And overall, uh, it's shaping up as good as Caitlin was saying. You know, it's got gacha, it's got grinding. It's, you will love it, you'll hate it, uh, you may have opinions on where it stands politically, but uh, otherwise it's looking like a pretty rad game. The next review is another gem. This one comes from Des Miller, though who looked at Other Side, which, that's a cool looking game. Really neat aesthetic, got some horror, got some roguelike, uh, and it's a tactical RPG all wrapped up in one. It's, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Audra's next play is a gem of a virtual novel. This one is Café Enchanté, and it just, it just looks delightful. It's, you know, fall, winter weather. Who doesn't want to sit down with a nice cup of joe or hot chocolate and just have a nice story? And this one just looks lovely, so. Uh, get into Audra's second uh, review and uh, see if this V ends up your alley. And we got another graphic adventure, this one reviewed also by Audra. Buried Stars looks lovely and uh, it's just a pretty cool visual novel experience once again and, and shaping up really great. It's got some good performances and could use a, a bit of a better localization despite all that. So uh, check out the review for the nitty gritty. And lastly, Zach Wilkerson has made it through the other Robotics Notes game, Dash. And this one, not so great. It's looking pretty rough. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it looks good. But it's uh, definitely lacking in the story. So, and that's it. Short, sweet. It's been a lot of news. Just not a ton of releases and not a ton of reviews come out. But uh, look on the horizon. I've got a couple in the, in the works. We've got some, uh, I'm sure Audra's playing like five games right now, <laughs> and uh, we're going into the holiday season. We'll all be hunkering down with games, so uh, enjoy episode 202 of Random Encounter. listeners we're back once again hello how are you you can't answer it's radio whatever uh but it's me greg Delmage, your host for this episode of random encounter and i'm joined by my co-host jono logan jono hello hello everyone uh jono um 
I, I kind of went over this. I'm getting back into uh, the new rhythm of things. Um, what's your social handle? Where can people find you? Well, people can find me at John O. Logan on Twitter. They can usually find me. Uh, I have a thing on Discord for the RPG fan. Um, and you can always send us mail if you want through uh, to uh, the podcast. We'd just love to hear from you. There you go. And uh, we're also joined today by our guest panelist, Quentin O'Connor from the News Team. Quentin, hi! Salutations, everybody. And, uh, yeah, how can people reach you outside of uh, the News Team? Yeah, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Quentin Writes because I'm Quentin and I write. So uh, that one's pretty easy <laughs> to remember. That's fair. Quentin, what is your uh, what tweet are you most proud of? Either tweet or retweet. Oh, that's not fair. Um... <laughs> recent, recent, your most recent tweet. Okay. Um, you know what? Actually, it's a it's a little personal. I have a friend, and and she's been going through some some struggles. You know, as we all do. And I'm just very happy to see that she's been doing better. And I retweeted it, and awesome. everybody else was all super happy too. So it was a nice, warm, fuzzy moment. That's good. Yeah, I find right now, uh, as we're recording, still in the general quarantine isolations, the pandemic of 2020. Uh, I think everyone's really looking for those feel good moments that they can all jump on and say, like, good, something good's happening. Yay. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I missed myself, but for myself, folks, if you want to reach me, I'm at Greg Delmage, more or less anywhere, and GDL me on our Discord if you want to message at me. Uh, but yeah, today we're here to talk about, you know, RPGs and stuff. Uh, but first, uh, just how's life for you two doing? What's what's going on, Jono, over in uh, the TO? I know some, some snow was falling in Ontario. Yeah, we have some, uh, we have a winter wonderland out there right now. It uh, it was It's been a weird couple of weeks in terms of the weather. <laughs> like, we've been getting... Uh, close to 20 and then we get dropped down to six and then I think on Saturday was it Saturday yeah on Saturday it was like it was a really nice day nice and clear and we were gonna do a bunch of work out on the balcony and like get things wrapped up for Christmas or for Christmas for the winter and then the next day it just was a massive snowstorm so <laughs> I like that image of like just go on the, the balcony and get things wrapped up for Christmas and your mom's like John is this your barbecue uh yeah <laughs> yeah uh, I kept the propane though. <laughs> <laughs> that's just heavy. Just <laughs> ship that to to uh, Nova Scotia. It's Nova Scotia cool. has its own propane. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to lighten the load a bit. It's expensive, mom. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I'm kind of jealous. I kind of want some snow. I'm not gonna lie, but will be a while. We're just getting that good uh, seasonal affective disorder, constant rainfall that Vancouver gets. So, absolutely. I mean, I would, I would happily, I would happily invite you to Ontario for some, but. Uh, terrible idea right now toronto just went back. back into lockdown for 28 days yeah and our lockdown has gotten a bit more severe but uh bonnie henry is doing her best over here but it's it's a weird scenario that i was everybody confused where they're just like you need to stay closed off but also let's keep businesses open so like no working out together and playing sports and stuff like that and oh you can't go to theater because that's too dangerous but go eat out at restaurants that's fine like what yeah that's how it's been um, over here in, in north carolina as well it's it's and again i think um local officials are doing the best they can here um we have a of course i don't decent, envy the position yeah yeah but i mean it's definitely um hard to keep up with uh, even for someone who you know i like to keep up with it but you know i speak with folks around here and they're understandably a little bewildered because it's the same thing you know don't go to theaters um okay you know but you can dine in at a lot of restaurants but all but also don't do that. Uh, but you can. 
Um, businesses should mostly stay open, but um, don't go near each other. It's, it's definitely, it's 2020. And the weird yeah. thing too is for us, like it's like movie theater stereo is still open. It's just live theater. And even then a lot of that live theater is also kind of being done via like Zoom or a visual performance anyways and being streamed. So it's just weird that they're just like, you can't get together to make theater. It's really obnoxious uh, for that community. And it just seems, it just seems weird and kind of singling out a certain aspect of the community. It's yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I can see that. It's not cool. And I get it. Like, yeah, they're trying to keep things tight and, you know, get this thing under wraps because we've definitely seen that climb in numbers despite how well BC was doing, for example. But it's, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a still a bit of a slog. Uh, I just want my restaurant job to completely shut down. But I've been avoiding going in for the longest time, which has been fine by giving up shifts to people who are less caring. I was on set, though, so that was fun. I got another day on uh, the show that I'm on, so that was fun. And they're still keeping that ex- excellent and safe. I had two two more COVID tests this past week, so I'm, I'm still in the clear, which is nice. Cool. How's yeah. your nose doing? It's fine. I don't have a big issue with it personally. Um, they're still doing the ones that uh, with this one it was the like the tickle the nose one, so it wasn't like shoving it all the way up into my cranium, nah. which is fine, uh, which I'm all right with. But uh, I I don't know either or they they feel weird, but I'm still fine with them. And it's yeah, it's not that bad. It's more just trying to keep on top of. Uh, at least on this set, they were going I think by. The SAG rules, SAG is the um, American uh, Screen Actors Guild, for those who don't know, and they have slightly different rules from Actra, which is the Canadian one, uh, for what they expect on set. And so they have what, everything's divided up into like zones. There's a I think green zone, red zone, and gold zone. And so in green zone, you can be mask optional for like a brief period of time, as long as you're keeping your distance and stuff like that. Basically, like it's in a secluded space, like the green room for like you as an actor or outside away from set. Uh, by a certain amount of distance whereas red zones you have to have like um, your ppe uh, protective mask which they're doing the m90s that they give you they give you a fresh one on set even if you show up with your own mask they have um uh, like salad tongs and they serve you a new mask that you have just for set oh i like that from your i like your other one after you've been sanitized and after you've been checked in with your temperature and everything, they give you that mask and they give you a band uh, that shows that you've been checked in and you belong on set kind of thing. And then, uh, and so you have that, but then they also give you a plastic face shield. So you need to be on set with both the PPE and a face shield, um, which this on this time they gave us the ones that, like wrap around your head. Like there's some cool ones that are attached to goggles. So you have like safety goggles that also have like a face shield that comes down. And that's so much better for actors because you've gone through hair and makeup and then you put on this rubber band contraption thing that messes up your hair it just seems like the worst thing for the poor hair and makeup team to constantly be like looking at those touch-ups while you're on set oh. when you're rehearsing with this plastic face shield thing on and oh yeah it's, yeah it's it's a lot uh but once we get into the gold zone you can be just mask so it's it's interesting and it's trying to keep up on like where and what's going on and for the most part everyone's very on top of like if you're not shooting, uh, the the AD comes around with a little paper bag that has your PPE in it that they have everyone's names on, so they're collecting them all when you're about to go to shoot. But then for rehearsals and everything else, they come back out and pass out your masks again, and they're very on top of that. The, sh- the face shields, basically between set, uh, takes for the actors, they're not as animate about, but like everybody else has them. So yeah, they're just they're keeping things strict. It's a very neat, tight system, and I feel very safe on set. So it's like. We're doing what you can. 
but yeah, at any rate, uh, I'm glad to hear that you're both doing all right in spite of all all the things. And you said you're, you, uh, was it Carolina you said you were? Yeah. North Carolina? Yeah, North Carolina. North Carolina. How's, yeah, you got snow and everything as well? Are you joining the, the East Coast snow folks? Not yet. And and kind of okay. like you, I'm a little disappointed in that. Um, yeah, it I has like the winter wonderland. Me too. Uh, we have very clear, very nice blue skies, uh, nice temperate weather right now. I'm, in, I'm enjoying it a little bit, but like, come on, just snow on me already. Yeah, it's probably going to hit you soon. At any rate, uh, that brings us to, uh, yeah, I guess the games we're going to play once uh, lockdown persists and snow comes in and keeps you at home more often than not, since there's not going to be Christmas parties and stuff to go to this year, or Thanksgiving gatherings for those folks down in the States who are about to celebrate theirs. Uh, But uh, for myself, uh, I guess very on theme for this winter talk, uh, I was playing Pokemon Crown Tundra from the uh, Sword and Shield expansions, and I talked a little bit on that last week, or not last week, last two weeks ago on the last podcast. But uh, yeah, I wanted to get more into it. And again, sorry, folks, we don't have our special Pokemon correspondent Gwen on today. Uh, she is at school and uh, things got to happen. But I'll get her on hopefully at some point to get her thoughts in because she's been she's been loving this. She was so excited like at launch. She just couldn't wait. Uh, and then a week later, she got grounded. So she had a week off from games. So oh. too darn bad for her. Uh, don't lie to your parents. It's not good. And, yeah. uh, she, but she had already like plowed through most of the content anyway. So she, I don't think she was hurting too much. It was more, uh, social time and Roblox apparently was the, the big kicker for her. It's nice because we've, we've grounded her in the past and she's all, always kind of like been like, eh, whatever. And hasn't really let it affect her too much that we're just like, how do we punish this child? And, uh, <laughs> this one though, is basically, we've, it was the, the more days kind of thing. Cause she's only been grounded for like a couple days and then. It's gotten always been like a weekend, so it was hard, but she coped. But now, yeah, after like three, four days, and now that um, gaming has become a social thing because her friends can join her on a game and play with her and stuff, and especially during COVID, now that she gets only some social time at school and they're segmented into certain groups, so certain friends she can't play with even at recess because they're in different circles. Yeah. uh, Bubbles. And so, yeah, she was really feeling the hurt this time. We're like, ha-ha, but also, that's sort of sad, but still, ha-ha, you get it. Ah. <laughs> nah, you have so, to do it, though. I was only ever grounded once as a child. I've only ever been grounded once in my entire life. And You uh, were a good boy. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was because <laughs> my parents... I wanted a Star Trek book, and my parents decided it was too violent for me. And I got very angry and had a fight with them at Kohl's. And, <laughs> uh, and then they grounded me for... Th- uh, they grounded me for three or four days and during those three or four days i couldn't watch star trek the next generation that is brutal it was brutal it was because it was in syndication and i had just gotten in star trek like a year earlier so i hadn't seen everything yet so i I missed i missed uh uh i missed three episodes at the end of season five jono you know we haven't known each other long but sometimes when you tell me these things um well, tell everybody on the podcast. I start to wonder <laughs> if we're almost the same person because that would be like the most brutal, <laughs> effective punishment for for kid me too. Like no Star Trek. It's like, are you? What just like ends me? Like what's going on here? It was yeah. It, it was tough. Although I do have to admit the fact that my I, I've always like when I asked them a couple of years ago, they do not remember grounding me. They were like, you were never grounded, and I was like, oh yes, I was once. The fact that I was it such a freaking beauty. <laughs> yeah, the fact that it was such a friggin' goody two-shoes that I actually got it grounded because I wanted to read a book is, and they wouldn't let me, and I got angry that they wouldn't let me read a book. It's impressive. I love it. Yeah, it was Star Trek Dark Mirror. It was the TNG Mirror Universe book, and 
I was in the bookstore and my mom just opened it up and she happened to land on a page where mere Wesley Crusher was being tortured. And she was like, this is far too violent for your age group. And Picard's all like, just die, Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> just do it already. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, groundings. I, I got a few, but my mom was also like weirdly, really strict as a single mom and just, I don't know. I feel like a lot of them were just far heavier than needed to be. There's only one that feels like it was somewhat warranted, but again, was blown out of proportion just because my mom was a single mom in the 90s and, you know, rules were a bit loose. So, uh, you know, I was left alone probably at an age where I probably shouldn't have been, but I was fine, everything clearly, and mm -hmm. I, I managed just well. But obviously being a single mom, trying to work, trying to make an, uh, a living and also trying to balance in a city where she didn't know anybody, didn't have childcare, it was, it was tough sometimes for her. And I, there was one night I was supposed to, um, she was planning a birthday gathering dinner thing for me with a friend of hers and stuff when I was supposed to meet them somewhere, but I forgot about it. I went to a friend's house and then forgot that I had this dinner. So when I came back home, I panicked and didn't know where she was. Uh, like I was like nine or 10 or something like that at the time, maybe 12, yeah. somewhere in that bracket. Uh, I think it was around 10. And I panicked and didn't know. So I went to the neighbors. I was like, I don't know where mom is. This is before cell phones, of course. Didn't know how to get a hold of her. And then, so I was at the neighbors until my mom came home being like, where the heck is my child? And uh, at any rate, she was very upset with me because then her immediate concern was, what if the neighbors tell child services? And oh, it was a whole thing. Yeah, and I was grounded yeah. from like everything for like six months. <laughs> it was wow. rough. But I think it got reduced. She, she definitely went hard. And then I think she lightened it to like, I think a month or two or something like that. I definitely wasn't granted for six months, but I read a lot of books in that time. All that being said, uh, childhood journeys aside, uh, Pokemon Crown Tundra, it's been out for a while now. And I like, I like what it's brought to the, to the game. I really wish the rest of the game was like Crown Tundra. Uh, I know Johnny, you haven't really played it, but Quentin, you've been, uh, diving into it. Do you, do you agree? What do you feel? I completely agree. Um, Coming into Sorg and Shield, um, I think now let me preface by saying I enjoy the games uh, overall, but I think, and this is kind of ironic, my biggest disappointment was that there were relatively few traditional routes and right up until like toward the end of the, of the single player campaign, um, they're, they're pretty, you know, very direct. Most of them are very short. Um, I didn't feel the wild area as much in the vanilla games, um, but now I feel uh, the team has really, with Isle of Armor and especially Crown Tundra, uh, figured out how to make it work, how to make it click for me more. There's just more diversity. There's kind of more to do. Um, everything feels livelier now. And now coming off of Crown Tundra, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, I wish I wish more of the, the game was like this. I wish I would be down for more of a wild area-centric game if it had this much going on. And, Really, the game just kind of yeah. feels more complete for me now. Yeah, like it's, I mean, we've we've talked about it before that we we know that Sword and Shield is again it's like the first generation blues of they're just figuring out how to use this new console. They're trying to figure out what features they can and can't implement. So it's a lot of it yeah, that felt very light in the vanilla game, but this is like it's so much better with like you said it makes the wild area matter more because like. There's so much more to interact with, like the like the mysteries, the the search, the hunt for Pokemon. That's really what was missing. Like the the whole giving getting those missions from Peony are, are great. I loved being uh, having this overarching thing of like tracking down these different Pokemon. And if that was peppered along with the main story and the main game, 
that would have been so much more interesting as a diversion to try and hunt down the legendaries. You know, you got to track down Zashian and Zamazenta or something like that by yeah, yeah. finding the signs in like the, the ghost forest and then tracking them across the world or whatever, as opposed to just the lame chase you kind of got at the end with weird armor hat and weird sword hat guys. Yeah. Um, or I guess their hair. But anyway, like, there just wasn't a lot to do, as we talked about in the past with reviews and with everyone who played the game that just you didn't feel as a player like you had much control over what was happening in the game until finally it was just like, oh, now you're at the final battle. Uh, you know, fight Chairman Rose. Cool. It's up until then, like, it was Leon and Sonya who were doing all the interesting things and just being like, you just continue on your Pokemon journey. Go be kids. The narrative, yeah. The narrative in, in the vanilla versions of uh, Sword and Shield is very strange in that regard. Um, it's It's exactly like you just said. And that was another thing that stuck out to me as, as kind of a sore spot. Like, on the one hand, I almost, almost commend the idea of, like, for once, just kind of being like, let the adults handle, you know, the world-shattering events. It's it's kind of a novel idea. But you have, True. To, you have to do it just right, I think. This, the way that they yeah. did it with Leon and Sonya just kind of, like, teasing along these ideas of, of a bigger thing going on. And it's not until, like you said, right at the end, where all of a sudden they're like, ah, heck. You know what, kids? We could use your help. It's <laughs> you're the champ now. You can deal with it, right? It yeah. It's like it just feels like if they had some stuff like this, where they're like, ah, you know, we're gonna go handle these big problems, but maybe you can go find the evidence. You know, you can do go search or you can go solve these puzzles to to kind of help us unlock, you know, what's going on, what's the the bigger picture or whatever, or you know, what's Team Yell really about and stuff like that. Like they're just. Yeah. Again, it was very linear outside of the wild area, uh, and even and it just there could have been so much more interesting stuff given with yeah just these ways to interact with the world that was brought into the Crown Tundra that make it much more fun with trying to track down the pieces of evidence to fit the puzzle pieces together to unlock getting to this Pokemon battle or whatever so you can capture Calyrex and stuff like that. That was all very neat, and I do love the raid dungeon. Uh, it's still clunky as heck in terms of matchmaking. Like, trying to play with a friend is a pain in the butt online. Mm -hmm. Like, Gwen and I have been trying to do it a couple times. Because you can definitely do it with a friend in local play, which is cool. But then you get two of the NPC randos from the game, which aren't usually as savvy, obviously, as playing with real players. Because for those who don't know, they have these max raid dungeons now where you kind of pick a forking path as you go, and then you just go to max raid battle to max raid battle as you would in the main game if you went to the um, the Max Raid Dungeon sites. and uh, But you're given a level 65 Pokemon to choose from, so you get three to choose from at the beginning of the dungeon, so you can't use your own. So it adds that little extra element of strategy of trying to figure out the best Pokemon to use for the job. At the end of the dungeon, after you've gone through a gauntlet of, like I think, three or four Pokemon, after you've picked your winding paths, you'll fight against usually a big special legendary from throughout the series. So you're not quite sure what you're going to be up against either. So you might have like found like, oh, okay, I picked a water type. Oh, the final one's lightning. Uh, sorry, thunder. So I'm like, eh, uh-oh. So hopefully somewhere throughout, you'll catch a Pokemon that you can switch over to. So it's very cool. Like I like the little element of strategy in it and picking your paths. And then when you have a bunch of players online, you all kind of fight for which direction you want to go. And then the majority wins kind of thing. And obviously playing with real life players, you tend to make better progress, but then to try and get Gwen and I to play, like we just had to keep disconnecting, reconnecting, and hoping we match made into each other's game. Like there's no way to set up a room for you to have that person join and then let others join. 
I ran into so similar. Kind of yeah, I've run into similar problems with it. Um, it's kind of my my ethos with Nintendo is that as a developer, as a publisher, they're probably my number one. Um, technic like technically speaking, uh, when when especially online, um, it's like they're they're ten steps behind their creativity. Yeah, it's always a struggle with them, and I'm, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm not technically inclined enough to to know how that is, why that is, but it's interesting because they have the creative minds, like the best in the business, you know? It feels like they just are expecting people to be getting together, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah and that's what yeah. it feels like. They're just like, you could do this, but also just play in the same room because we still want to, you know, encourage family gathering play, which is great. But I like it. Yeah. Read the room, read the climate these days. Like, obviously there's a lot of family players you're going to play, but also are all those families going to buy individual switches for everybody? Like that's... Yeah. That's a lot of money to throw out, and uh, we'll get into the you know the possible future with all that. Um, but one thing I did love about the raid dungeons, going back to that, and what that could have also brought to the wild area in Vanilla Sword and Shield, I like that if you failed the the dungeon, you know you could go back in and pursue the same Pokemon, knowing what you're up against. But also Peony's daughter was there, and sometimes she would give you hints, being like, "Hey, I know that there's Entei inside the, the dungeon." So let's go look for it together kind of thing. So then you could start the, the the dungeon raid knowing that you had a cool Pokemon you could find at the end of it. And I think that would have been really cool with the max raid battles in the wild area if you could run into certain NPCs who were like, hey, I heard that there is this specific Pokemon uh, over in this area of the wild area. You know, yeah. go find it or let's go find it together. Like that just could have added just a little bit more interest as opposed to, I'm just going to go around to the random energy points or throw a wishing star in and we'll see what I get. Mm-hmm. I think with Crown Tundra, uh, one thing I, I want to touch up on for sure before we move on, um, there's this moment uh, in in the DLC that I think it's just a magic moment to me. Um, it's something that not only did the you know default sword and shield not really hit me quite as emotionally, but usually I don't know that Pokemon games do. Um, there's some great moments throughout the series, but but anyway, this one. Um, without getting into spoilers too much um there are there is of course a a new version of the legendary bird trio from uh Kanto. Yeah. and it's just that cutscene, like super sentai birds basically yeah yeah it's just that cutscene when you see them all for the first time oh it it just it melted my heart it's it's like a deliberate riff cool. on i think like the second movie from way 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 back in the day and it just it was just magical i loved it it was something that like it was the moment where suddenly I was just like, oh, man, we're on the Switch now. We can do stuff like this in the future, you know? <laughs> That's fair. Uh, also, stupid new Articuno. Oh, I think it was such a pain in the butt to capture. Yeah, it was. I think the worst thing I had, Regirock, was my hardest capture. Oh, my gosh. I think I ate through, like, 50 Pokeballs trying to get that thing to stay in. It was awful. Yeah, the Regis. I was like, I wish I just kept my damn Master Ball for it. Mm-hmm. The Regis are, are pretty tough. They were like there weren't a hard fight, but it just I was just trying to ride that line of getting the right Pokemon to get it down to one hit point, trying to affect it with paralysis or something so I don't kill it, and then it just wouldn't stay in the darn Pokeball. Oh, it was so frustrating. It had been a the long ones, time. Like, oh, go ahead. Oh, just the other ones, yeah. Like Registeel went in pretty great, uh, an easy Reggie Ice I got uh, in a few captures as well, but just Reggie Rock would not. Oh, and anyways. Uh, also, just for a fun note for everybody, I definitely uh, reference Reggie Fizame in all of my Reggie renames. I think I have like Reggie 
Feesamice. <laughs> uh, like, like Reggie Feast Rock. Like it was hard to obviously fit it all in, but I tried to basically just add Reggie Fees at me to like every Reggie <laughs> that I captured. Reggie like Fees steal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I I um some of those those fights uh in Crown Tundra. It had been a long time uh, since I remembered just how much I loathe the word struggle uh, in the Pokemon series, you know, because you hit that point where they just, uh, oh, it's it's struggling, you know, and, it, and they'll attack themselves, and, and that's the end of the fight. Um, it happened to me a few times with Articuno. It happened to me with probably Regirock, I know one of them. Um, and it's just like, no, don't do that. Stop. Don't hit yourself, please. I just want to capture you. And then it's over. Yeah. Or, or you encounter the Articuno in an area where there's a blizzard. So it takes ice damage because it's not actually ice type uh, in this mo- version. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just like, God dang it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so infuriating. The one thing just before we uh, wrap up the conversation on this, um, it's still not without its faults in the Crown Tundra. Like one thing, as much as the wild area was much more interesting and they tried to capture a few different environments because the whole thing of the Crown Tundra is that it was once much more verdant and has slowly gotten more uh, encaptured by the, the snowy climates around it. But they've adjusted in many ways because they that's part of their lifestyle, but just I think the winters are longer in a lot of ways now. Mm-hmm. But hopefully with Calyrex's return, that will change around. Uh, I do wish there was more than just the one hub town. Just Freezington is the only place that there is. Like I was kind of expecting to at least find one other town somewhere like along the coast or something just to make it feel a bit more lived in. Uh, and you find all these ruins and stuff. So I get that this is like a fallen land. Like it's definitely fallen into disrepair since these winters have come and forced everyone to kind of get together. But it's just this tiny little town that's a few beats away from the train station that it's just like, if this is all it's here, like why not just leave? Um, yeah, that I kind of nice. wish that once you got Calyrex, like they could have introduced some sort of neat, like rebuilding feature that you kind of helped reestablish some of the areas or something over time or i don't know and maybe that'll be something that comes up later i don't know if they have any more dlc plans but that could be a cool thing to introduce like where's the current tundra now that people are starting to believe in calyrex again and that would be really um, cool it's powers returning right so i don't know we'll see what happens but otherwise i found despite how interesting the environment was to explore like there's a lot of neat nooks and crannies it's cool to get around it on your bike and uh, it was really neat in that way. It just felt still very kind of drab. Like there wasn't much to do in it in terms of the environment itself. It just, it felt much more alive with the Pokemon. But yeah, it was definitely lacking in the, the NPC presence. So there just wasn't as much feeding into that. And like you would, there's those ruins. Like there's those little like, like daises with uh, like plaques on them. Do you remember those? And you, it kind of gave you stuff. I thought that was going to lead to something. And it just yeah, it didn't. I remember those. The one thing that I really wish... Um that the expansions did, uh, that they didn't do. Um, and yeah, I, I love them overall. Um, it's just added more trainer battles. Um, they're kind of yeah, lacking in, in the, none. they're kind of lacking in, in the vanilla, like Galar region. And then there's just kind of none. And it's like, well, that's a little disappointing. Yeah. Cause they're good XP, not farming necessarily, but yeah, good XP experiences. Uh, like I think Ruby and Sapphire that introduced where you could call up, like you had the phone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, oh, oh. Was that one? The original uh, phone was or, gold and silver. Um, it was gold and silver. Yeah, I yeah, love it. Call up your old trainers that you fought against and then and there was, a new battle against There them. was always Joey who would call you and tell you about his Rattata. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah, like I wish something like that, like if there was like a duration of time or once you became champ, they all refreshed and maybe had like a harder fight. That's one thing I think though, yeah, that the Pokemon games in general are lacking is 
refreshing the trainer battles or something and maybe that's to not keep you from getting too op but i feel like post game when you're in that post game journey it'd be a great way to farm experience because it's it, it can be just very tedious trying to like either now collect the xp candies or trying to just do it from random run-of-the-mill battles yeah definitely it's one thing that i do miss from earlier games mm -hmm. either way if they use what they've established with crown tundra combine it with some of the best parts of uh, uh the, the vanilla core game i haven't got to the isle of armor yet but again i heard good stuff uh so i need to go there and catch moltres i just didn't want to start the whole story sequence yet until i was ready for it mm -hmm. uh but it, if they yeah if they take everything they've learned from this whole package as a as a complete thing the next iteration actually i think is gonna look pretty good and hopefully fans will be much more positive on it as well definitely mm -hmm. i uh yeah i have high hopes for it if this is the shape of things it's it's good that they've they're able to try this stuff out in DLC as opposed to taking another game to get it wrong, so to speak, and then finally <laughs> giving us a third iteration that finally is it at the end of the console's life cycle. I've thought the same thing. Yeah, it's it's a useful boon that they have now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like I said, I don't know if we'll get more DLC, but we shall see. At any rate, uh, yeah, it's looking good. But other games that have been played, uh, Jono has had a very storied experience with Yakuza Like a Dragon. Oh, I'm so uh, tired. <laughs> <laughs> you were playing it uh, last podcast, and yeah, you, you've been pretty high on it. And how has your, uh, your adventures with Ishii been going? Well, it, I'm still high on it. Uh, it's probably, uh, actually, it's not probably about it. It is going to be my game of the year. I just adore it. I loved it. It's the most fun I've had playing a game for quite some time. I mean, I obviously love the Yakuza series, but this game specifically took everything I love about the Yakuza series and smashed it straight into a JRPG format, and it was exactly what I wanted. Um, however, I did have some, uh, just one, one big, big, big issue with the game. <laughs> you sure did. Just one, just <laughs> one. the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, just one big issue with it, and it had nothing to do with uh, the game, uh, so to speak. It was... So, uh, we, embargo for the game release was the 5th, so that's the day where everyone releases their, their, uh, reviews and things like that online, um, and it, it's a big game, like, it's a really big game. So, by the 5th, I was 61 hours into the game, and I was on chapter 8, there's 15 chapters, so I still had a ways to go, uh, and because we have to finish, you know, all of the games that we review, I put out a review in progress, which, you know, covered my thoughts about the game, and I, I, I projected that this is probably going to be my game of the year. I'm just having such a great time. I love it. Um, and the review was released on the 5th. And then uh, later that day, I sit down to start up the game again, and uh, I get a fun little message saying, EXE not found. Uh, and I take a look at Steam, and I discover that there was a Steam update earlier that day that deleted all of the game data. So I uh, freak out for a little while, and uh, you know we send a message to our to the PR people and to, and just to figure out hey what's going on. And it was just a, it was just a bad Steam update. It happens that happens to everybody. It doesn't matter whether or not they're uh, they work for a game media outlet or they just buy a game. Sometimes there's a bad release, but thankfully it was very quickly taken care of. They updated the game. A fully updated version was released. And I got very excited about it, and then I opened it up, and I started my save game, and I got a fun little message saying, this save was made on a newer version of the game, please update the game. Which was confusing, because I was running an updated version of the game over the previous one. Um, wow. So we contacted them again, and uh, 
I mean, seriously, bless the PR people and Sega because they were working their butts off to figure out, like, what to do and how to fix the problem. Um, and at one point, they thought they fixed it, and it didn't get fixed. And so I went from, like, burning rubber through this game, loving it every single second I was playing, wanting to play it all the time, to being unable to play it for about a week. Week and a half. So... And we that's wanted such a, like uh, stall in like the review process for you. Just, it's, oof. Yeah, I just finished it last night. It's the twenty third of November, um, and eventually, what I had to do is I could have started a new game, but I was very concerned because I didn't want to start a new game while this prog- problem was still there. Because God knows if I got another forty hours into the game, and then it happened again, uh, and then that would have been even more time. That definitely would have affected the review, though, for sure. Yeah, that would have. This isn't going to uh, affect the review even slightly because it has nothing to do with the overall experience of the game and it's not something that uh, the public uh, the public release is likely going to be facing. So, uh, you know, it's not going to affect my score. I'm not even going to mention it in the review. I'm just talking about it here because it's really frigging funny and uh, <laughs> extraordinary. Yeah, so uh, it just stopped dead. And eventually I came up with a solution. And this was about, oh gosh, about a week and a half I haven't played the game in about a week and a half. I'm losing my mind. I really want to play it. And, like, I'm trying everything. I'm trying to download... <laughs> oh, no. I'm trying to download, like... I, I learned about Steam Manifests, and, like, I try to download an older version of the game through, like, a backdoor in Steam, and I'm trying to... Like, I'm still in contact with the PR people. We're trying to figure this out. We're trying to we're trying to get it working, and I send them a copy of, like, my save game to see if maybe if this... And this isn't just me. This is This is a problem with that anyone who was playing a pre-release version of the game for reviews was apparently having. So finally, I hit upon a solution. It's not perfect. I download, because the game has been out since uh, January in Japan, and it's the same game, essentially, I download a trainer, which I hate. I don't like game trainers. I, I don't really want to have a game genie for my PC. But this particular game trainer did feature a option that allowed me to speed up the game times 10. Um, so I, I downloaded the game trainer and I started a new game and I turned on the times 10 and then I just spent the next day and a half zooming around Japan, literally zooming around Japan to the point where I could barely even control the game, just plowing through as many random battles as I possibly could to complete everything that I had gotten, I completed in my 61 hours in the game. So finally I could get to the end of chapter 8 and I had everything back to where it was approximately. I had my characters re-leveled to the exact levels where they were. I had the job levels reset to where they were. Nice. And it was great. And I swear to God, I get a message from the PR people and they're like, we want to offer you a brand new save of the game that will be at the exact same point where you left off. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. So I just started laughing. It was one of those moments where you start laughing and you can't stop laughing. Yep. Because you're just like, this is insane. And, like, it's the only solution that could possibly work. And uh, if I hadn't reached that point already, I happily would have taken them up on it. But, you know, I couldn't because at that point I had I caught back up. So, yeah, I just finished it last night. Um, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, I'm going to be taking the review in progress, and I'm going to be pumping that up a little bit with some more information and everything. So it'll be the final review, and I'll put a score on it. I'm not sure what score it's going to get, probably between 94 and 95. Like, I'm really high on this game. I recommend that everyone get it. If you've never played a Yakuza game before, it is an exceptionally good jumping-on point because it does feature all-new casts, an all-new cast, all-new story, some new locations. 
the there are some legacy characters that make cameo appearances throughout the game, um, but they aren't uh, integral to the story. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you just don't really like reading subtitles when you play a game, this game does have an absolutely exceptional English dub, unlike most other Yakuza games. Um, extraordinarily good acting, uh, great, great localization and translation. So yeah, uh, if you're looking for a real, real good, lengthy JRPG experience to play over the holidays, uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon is, it would be my number one top pick. And it's on PC, it's on PS4, it's on uh, Xbox. There is literally, unless you only own a Switch, you can play this game. Now, the big thing about this game is that it's, Ishii is very much into Dragon Quest, and obviously there's little notes throughout that. Um, and I'm guessing that stays all the way throughout, both in how the battle mechanics work and everything else. Uh, is there a lot of, is there any other, like, nods to it? Like, can you get any Dragon Quest equipment or, like, a slime hat or anything stupid fun like that? Uh, it's interesting because, I mean, again, Sega doesn't own Dragon Quest. Uh, yeah. So they can't really, I don't think they have the permission to feature, like, actual things from the game. Um, gotcha. but so there are, a full, like, partnership. Yeah, there's not a full partnership, but it's a reference. Apparently they got permission. Obviously they got permission to reference it. Um, and it's packed full of references and it's packed full of like, for example, on the loading screens uh, down in the bottom right hand corner, you get little 16 uh, bit representations of your characters marching in place, just like they're yeah. in a, in a uh, Dragon Quest that. game. Yeah, that's it's it's that's really, really fun. Oh, that's uh, cool. Some of the, yeah, some of the mini games, very Dragon Quest inspired uh, sound effects. Certainly whenever a new whenever a, a new person uh, joins your party. Rather than there being like orchestral thing, you get like a standard MIDI, like that kind of thing, like a, a triumphant, <laughs> a triumphant theme. Um, However, that plays in Ishiban's mind. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the that's the hilarity of it is all of this is happening in his mind to the point where you start wondering whether or not he's a little bit brain damaged. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's yeah. the the game itself takes all of the classic Dragon Quest mechanics and actually RPG mechanics and. Uh, and standard uh, character tropes and like you know you have there's a blacksmith in the game there's so you can go to the blacksmith and and she'll uh, boost your equipment um, tons and tons of tons of mini games the only thing I was a little bit disappointed by was that in have either of you played Judgment no in Judgment there is like a board game type uh, mini game which is you go around like seriously like a digital board game version of uh, Camarocho and uh, I have to admit, I was expecting it to be in this because Dragon Quest, a lot of like classic Dragon Quest games, especially like that that board game kind of uh, mini game style thing. But there wasn't one in that. There was a casino, of course. There were always casinos, and of course, <laughs> I feel like the game is a. I cannot possibly imagine a better uh, amalgamation of Yakuza and traditional classic JRPGs than this. I, it's not a perfect game by any means. Uh, there are a few technical issues, uh, like there are some pathfinding problems within battles very occasionally, uh, especially if there are cars on the road. Sometimes your characters don't realize that they can't just run through a car, um, and they just kind of run against the car for a few minutes. Um, Whoops. but then the game eventually figures it out. You might have to sit there for like 10, 15 seconds, but eventually they're like, oh, I can't do that. And they'll just teleport over and whack an enemy. Um, there are some annoying, uh, issues with safes, for example, or like anything where you need to click on an item, uh, where it takes a little while for you to find to line it up perfectly so the button prompt will appear. Oh, that's annoying. 
It's a little... Yeah, there's been games like that I've played, and you're just like, what? Just 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 open the safe. Yeah. I can't remember what I was playing recently that did that to me. And I kept, like, accidentally talking to people. I think I was doing that in Horizon Zero Dawn again. There was a few moments where, like, an NPC was, like, slightly too close to, like, a campfire or to, like, a chest. And I would talk to them instead of opening things. And I was like, God, get out of the way. Yep. And, I mean, that's the classic thing. Like, if I take a taxi to run around town and I get out of the taxi and I press the button to start running, well, I'll just start talking to the taxi guy again. And I'm like, ah. And you end up in, like, a little loop. Uh, but, yeah. but- on the whole, the game is smartly avoids that. Like, one of the things they've avoided is, that it always drove me crazy, is whenever a multiple-choice thing pops up, they make sure that the option to quit, or the bad option, is at the bottom rather than being at the top, because nothing's worse mm. than, like, on autopilot just hitting uh, just hitting X and then accidentally hitting an option that you don't want. Yeah. During a dialogue section or something like that. Um, Do you want me to explain all that to you again? Oh, no, no. Yes. No, no, no. Not <laughs> any, uh... <laughs> yeah. And I mean, thankfully, the game does have a uh, skip scene button where you can just pause, press X, and it'll skip the scene, which is a great oh, thing, especially... Good. Well, yeah, especially in a, in a, in a uh, run where I'm going times 10 fast. Um, and I, normally, I would never, ever, ever do that kind of thing, because, especially not for a review, my God, because you want the full experience. No, but experience. it was definitely necessary to catch yourself back up for sure yeah and the reality was as soon as i got back to chapter eight i deleted the trainer because i mean why would i i want the experience of the game the trainer was just a tool that allowed me to get back to the point where i could Mm -hmm. experience the game and from that point everything was fine uh dlc packs are out um i don't have any of them uh i was considering getting the ones for the uh there are two additional jobs that are in a dlc pack um one is a like a heavy metal rocker kind of guy uh and the other is a uh, matriarch of a yakuza clan um considering getting them but at the same time i i i haven't 100 percented the game but i've come darn close like i've gotten right i finished all the sub stories i have uh maxed out most of the achievements uh i've gotten most of the completion points that i'm going to get because god knows i am not going to learn how to play uh mahjong or anything like that again um <laughs> yeah. to do it just just pinch it in mark chan i'm sure i guarantee mark chan knows how to play mahjong <laughs> actually not a terrible idea um and i i finished the the second there are two final dungeons there's the there's the final dungeon and then there's the super final dungeon and i beat the final dungeon and i was like you know what i'm so close to 100 in this thing that i actually want to 100 it like i'm going to as close as i can okay so i'm gonna cool. i'm gonna do the super final dungeon and i clicked on the door and it says uh, recommended level, 99. Recommended job level, 90. And I'm like, oh, that's just a recommendation. Yep, that's yeah, just <laughs> a recommendation. I go find, go into the entryway. First two enemies <laughs> one-shot me. Um, yep. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, that's how I felt then. with the uh, the Crystal Chronicles, like, advanced dungeons. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sure I'm fine, and get steamrolled. Yeah, you're yeah, never and, fine with those, I remember. Yeah, so then go I Go back decided, to installing the trainer. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't do that. I went on YouTube, actually, to be like, all right, if I spend the time to get to level 99 and job level 90. If I if I if I grind and get to those points, will I enjoy this? And the answer was no, I would most certainly not because even though I'm at level 99, <laughs> they are too. So the entire dungeon just becomes a ridiculous grind um to get through yeah, and because if it's you want more of that then there it is. Yeah, if you want more, it's there. I didn't uh I love the game. It's going to get my game of the year, not even a question. So yeah, <laughs> you might come back to that dungeon next year. So that was my that was my fun 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 time experience with Yakuza. Absolutely adored the game. Had the worst time reviewing it of any game I have since maybe 
uh, maybe Fallout 76. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, that's, that was a thing. For different reasons, though. But yeah, it's it's going to be memorable one way or the other for you. Yeah, and we have quite a few um, people on staff who are playing the game right now. They adore it. Uh, we're going to yeah. do a spoiler cast on... Uh, yeah, Solosi's been big on it. Yeah. Are you going to pick it up, Quentin? Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit more sold on it now, actually, just from listening to Jono. It's not that I don't have an interest in it innately, but I am definitely a Yakuza noob. So um, just knowing that it's it's a great entry point is exciting for me, and it sounds like something that would just kind of be a nice complement to my uh, next-gen machine. Um, nice. What next-gen machine are you getting out of curiosity? Yeah. Let's that segues us really nicely. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a moment. Um, yeah, I'm getting yeah, one. We got the PS5 out here. Yeah. And we got the Xbox uh, Series X out. Uh, they're both doing well enough. Although I think so far it seems like the PS5 is outperforming. I mean, there was that article from Famitsu Japan, which was the Japan only number, so obviously it's going to be very skewed. It's very unlikely a Microsoft product will ever outsell there. But even still, the PS5 seems to be the dominant uh, console. But they're all having supply issues everywhere. No one can find one anyways. Yeah. Uh, despite the constant jokes of uh, play is infinite and supply chain is not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's when we eventually get to have one. Uh, I know some people on staff have one. We're hoping to get some on to chat about it. We will hopefully in the future. We certainly don't. But as John asked, yeah, what are you planning on, Quentin? Well, yeah, that's the funny part. Um, I'm dedicated which doesn't mean i'll succeed but i'm dedicated to uh trying to nab one of them um come black friday morning uh from a GameStop. um good luck good luck yeah <laughs> now now the problem is um i am what just a few days away from that and i still haven't completely decided which one i'm going to get um it's <laughs> it's 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 a difficulty that i've never before encountered because i've been um, very much imbued in the PlayStation ecosystem my whole life, just as, as someone who's very hot, very keen on uh, JRPGs. You know, it just kind of seems natural. Um, mm -hmm. But there are some unique challenges uh, in, in my decision-making this time. Um, the Xbox Series X has a couple of things going for it that just sound very intriguing to me. Um I'm very attracted to the Game Pass concept. I know that's that's a big part of, of kind of the Xbox um, yeah, player base. It's kind of a nice I, sell. It's a nice sell. I mean, just hundreds of games at your fingertips for... Uh, and I think it's cross-platform to PC as well. It is, yeah. A Microsoft um, PC, so... And and the lovely thing about it is because, because Microsoft is more committed to the backwards compatibility concept. I mean, they both are this gen, which is great. But yeah. Microsoft goes further back basically. And I'm looking at these games and I'm like, oh, I could replay Dragon Age Origins and it would run a lot better than it ever did on my PS3, that's for sure. And, um, you know, oh, look, even like Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion looks really pretty now. I can play Skyrim like with all the mods instead of just a few. So it, it tickles my WRPG like mentality. But then with the PS5, it's like FF16 is apparently a console exclusive for the PS5. That's huge. Um, I love FF14, and it'll run snappier, you know, on the PS5, which is nice. Um, I, it's going to get, like, an FPS improvement, which for an MMO is really cool. Um, FF7 Remake will likely continue on the PS5. So it's just, yeah. it's like, it's like 
to some extent, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, my brain is 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 basically east and west. It's fighting. It's like a cold war in my head right now. <laughs> like, like, well, it's just what launch titles do you want, right? Like, what has the more attractive lineup at this point for you? Is really, I guess, what it comes down to. I think so. Yeah, and, in, and in neither that case, of them are super exciting, depending on what you like to play. Right. In that case, I think the one game that that pops out at me is. Um, the one exclusive is uh, Demon Souls remake. Um, the right. one exclusive. The one exclusive. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's you know as an RPG fan, um, I consider the Souls franchise, Soulsborne, whatever you want to call it, a big blind spot of mine. So it seems like this would be a good time to get into it. Um, yeah, nice way to pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm leaning PS5, but I I just have this scary thought that like. I'm going to be in line and I'll actually succeed, which will be awesome. And then I'll go in there and they're like, what are you here for? And I'll be like, I don't know. Just surprise me. And someone's going to be like, wow, you're really, <laughs> really kind of casual about video games. And I'm like, actually, I, I write about them on the internet, but I still don't know. Don't... Choice choice paralysis is the <laughs> real thing for me right now. Don't judge just, me. Just help me out, please. <laughs> that's that's very funny. Uh, and for yourself, Jono, uh, where are you landing on this? Are you intending to get it on it? Or are you just going to stick with building up a PC or... Oh, for God's sake, trying to get a PlayStation 5 in this country is, well, impossible, to be frank. I mean, like everywhere else in Canada, I don't know, It's I think it's the same in the States. There is no, uh, there is no, uh, you can't get them in stores. It's impossible. The entire thing is a digital online launch. And the problem with the digital online launch is that you have websites that aren't equipped to deal with literally thousands of rabid fans trying to snatch up a next-gen console. You have bots who are snapping up as fast as possible so they can resell them on the internet. It's just been a disaster. And you would want to say that, like, well, they should have guessed this was going to happen, but the reality is that this is the first year they ever really needed to deal with anything like this, and everyone is having this problem. If it was one company, if it was, like, NVIDIA having a problem with the, uh, gtx uh 380s or something like that and that was that was it then i would say yeah they deserve it but the reality is no they don't no one deserves a lot of blame for this it's you can only do so much uh in the period of time that they had to prepare for it no one wanted this i assure you that these companies definitely did not want to do a digital only launch they wanted the stores they wanted the hype they wanted people to be lined up and i mean to be to be frank, uh, I mean, there's a Best Buy out front behind where I live. If if the PlayStation 5 had had a launch day event, I might have been there to pick one up. Um, as it was, just I... Just a hazmat suit. Yeah, just a hazmat <laughs> suit. But, you know, there's not. So I've been keeping an eye online. Um, but I have had absolutely no luck with it. Um, I've been able to get one. I'll be getting a PlayStation 5 if I get a... Con- I mean, I will get a console eventually, but... The console I yep. will get is a PlayStation 5. I don't have any interest in Xbox. I understand that many people have preferences yeah, exactly. for Xboxes. It's just not really my console. And I have a PC. I love my PC. I'll... That's the thing for me as well. I'm in the same boat as you that I would rather just go with PS5 eventually mm-hmm. if I do. It, but it's going to be a, a bit down the road for me right now because I got enough of the backlog to play. I've got a PC that runs everything pretty fine. So I'm, uh, I'm not hard up either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I want a PlayStation 5 so I can do... Uh, like I can do some cleanup uh, in 2021 of games that I miss that are going to get uh, next-gen re-releases uh, with upgraded graphics and that kind of thing. Yeah, they'll be nice and crisp. They'll be nice and crisp, and I get to... I'll be playing them a few months late, but that's totally okay. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn 2! Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm stoked for. I've gone Me back too. to Horizon Zero Dawn now that I've done some review projects, and I'm just... Ugh, it's going to be so good. Yep. 
Uh, well, uh, as we wrap up this part of the conversation, though, one thing uh, to to note is, uh, yeah, the the Switch has crushed it, and it's since it was out for three years and is now at sixty eight million consoles sold. And if it stays on track with these kind of sales records, it could trump the PS4, because uh, the PS4 has had since twenty thirteen to hit like uh, one hundred twelve million. So. I mean, in another three years, it could very easily double those sales and crush it. But then there's also the rumors of the pr- the Switch Pro. So uh, I don't know what that would mean. I mean, do you have any hopes or desires for a, a Switch Pro? Uh, sure, I guess. Nintendo's mm, aside from more powerful, I don't know. Nintendo plays an entirely different game. They're barely in the same yeah. industry as Sony and Xbox, and I guess the PC industry at this point. Yeah, it, it's they've managed to. Which one has Lego? Yeah, you know. They have always <laughs> done that, though. Like, every single... They've always done that. They are loath to play the same game because they they know that, uh, I guess, they, I'm, I'm assuming, they guess that technical specs and online connectivity are not things that they excel in. Um, so they, they try to uh, excel in terms of gameplay, in terms of their very, very unique IPs. Um, if they released a Switch Pro, I, that was, like console only like with tv only i'd probably buy it because i very very rarely play my switch um on the go i not just because of covid i just don't really do it um it's one of the reasons why i've never really been interested in buying a switch Lite. i don't know if they will or not i know it's a rumor but i think that i think that their smartest move if they were to release a switch pro would be to release a portable console with slightly boosted internals essentially uh, essentially the switch version of the new 3ds yeah, I don't know what it'll be uh, either, but I don't know. If they did, like, yeah, console only, I'd be interested in that as well. I mean, I do like playing it handheld, and I like having the option to free up the TV for others or, uh, yeah, or having it go and be able to bring her Switch over from her dad's kind of thing without having to bring the whole mm-hmm. uh, dock and everything like that. That's a nice feature for sure. But if it was, like, a bigger powerhouse that would still have the connectivity and we could still have it in the house, and then it's like, oh, I can play Final Fantasy VII Remake on the Switch, like, that'd be rad. It would be totally right. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think for me, um, the Switch has has absolutely blown me away, as it has for a lot of people. It's quite possibly my favorite system, um, you know, of all time, you know, as they say. Um, So if a Switch Pro is legit, if it comes out, if it's, you know, or they call it the Switch Plus or the new Nintendo Switch or, you know, the Switch U, hopefully not... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, if it comes out, I will probably grab it, um, especially it, it's kind of, I don't know, like, you know, games like Breath of the Wild um, and then games like Octopath Traveler, they all really click for me. Um, so I guess the thought of even just running them at a higher, you know, frames per second or or just slightly better lighting or something, I'm already there for it as is with the games um, like like you, John, I don't really play portably very often myself so yeah sure you know show me what you can do nintendo i'm i'm there for it uh well we're gonna round out today's conversation uh just we can't ignore the elephant in the room for uh western rpg lovers that mass effect legendary edition was finally announced on n7 day which also unfortunately i guess for the marketing aspect coincided with the presidential election mostly largely finally being done and decided mm-hmm. uh so i was like oh that sucks but you know at least we got that but yeah we finally got that rumored mass effect legendary edition which is not shocking we figured it was gonna come it's gonna look great and you get because uh, it's it's the uh, it's not like a remake or anything by any means but they are just going to be cleaning things up i doubt they're gonna 
quote unquote fix the ending like so many complainers would want. Uh, and I'm sure the mechanics in the first one are still going to be a little janky, but everything will be a little smoother, a little faster, a little nicer to, to play, right? And uh, I know, uh, Quentin, you're pretty stoked on this. Oh, um, yeah, beyond words. Um, like you said, we all kind of knew it was coming uh, for years, really. Um, but just being that it's out in the open now and and we've seen, you know, Bioware loves this approach of, like, blog entries where it's like, you know, a letter from Casey Hudson. <laughs> and they sort of did that where, you know, he's just talking about, you know, the great experiences with the trilogy and, you know, here it comes. Like, it's coming back. Um, it just warms my heart. It, it really does. Um, I worked for Bioware for a little while um, on the marketing side um, as, a, as a forum moderator as well. I helped uh, with some of the conventions, you know, they did appearances for, um, like SDCC and New York Comic Con and all cool. that. Yeah, and, and so it's, it's a part of my life, Bioware in general, but especially Mass Effect, because the trilogy was, you know, the big thing uh, for the time that I was with them. Um, that it's just an unforgettable part of my life, and, and the journey that those characters go through, um, the way that the story unfolds across the trilogy, love it love it love it i'm so excited to see it it's with a fresh uh, a fresh coat of paint yeah i don't think that they're going to do anything with the ending either um no it's it's just it's not gonna happen you know it's accept yeah. it it's been but you do get all the dlc at least yeah yeah all the dlc so you can get that story fleshed out either way uh when andromeda is not a part of it but i'm wondering uh if uh if they're going to remaster that as well at some point, possibly not because of, I mean, they did that random update very many years later that fixed a lot of the problems. So that's probably the most we're going to get, mm -hmm. but they did also tease that mass effect four is in development. They gave us an image of it. It looks like it's got uh, some familiar races in there, possibly one of the new races that was in Andromeda. I'm forgetting the name of, you might know better than me because I haven't played Andromeda. Uh, <laughs> I haven't played it in, in so long since launch. This oh, is, was it? There was the one new race that was added in that one. This is the horrible, uh, horrible side of me. For all I, I <laughs> for all I tout about uh, my time with the Mass Effect trilogy, Andromeda did not stick in my brain as well. Yeah, it well, and that's kind of what happened for a lot of people. But at the same time, it also seems over the years people have gotten a bit higher on it that it's yeah it a bit more credit than it, it originally got. Yeah, I don't think it was this you know absolute catastrophe. Um, it really wasn't. No. There were aspects of it that I enjoyed. I would like to go back to it sometime, um, if for no other reason than to make up for the embarrassment just now of not being able to remember that alien race name. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Andromeda, obviously, like uh, the, the original Mass Effect Legendary Edition now is the original trilogy, and that was Shepard's story, and that's supposed to be done now. Part of me wants to think, given the departure they had away from it, will they try and play it safe and try and bring back Shepard in some capacity to you know, save the game's face, so to speak. I really hope not. I'm. Are you thinking, are you hoping that they'll go more into Andromeda's storyline and keep um, coaxing that fire? Or do you th are you wanting them to kind of go back to the trilogy in terms of storytelling? You know, I'd love to see a blend of, of the two in a way. And I, I kind of have this yeah. hunch, and I could be way off base. Um, it's been a long time since I've, you know worked at Bioware in any capacity. Um, I could be completely off base here, but I have this feeling that they're going to try to have their cake and eat it too in that regard um, with the trilogy mm. and in drama. And obviously that could fall flat because you might be stretching yourself too thinly. Yeah. But Andromeda left a lot of plot threads um, unresolved. And I feel like the writers at Bioware probably feel a commitment, you know, not only to themselves, so. but yeah, to the folks who did enjoy Andromeda 
to carry that forward um and just do it better yeah yeah i hope i hope we get some more interesting more populated planets to explore and run around between now with some more powerful stuff like give us that bit of like inquisition kind of exploration mm-hmm. but in on these planets in this world as opposed to just kind of I mean, Citadel and stuff has always been neat to explore, but it's still very, like, chopped up and stuff. So they now have the power behind the consoles to hopefully make those worlds a bit more seamless and bigger, and it'd be really neat. Yeah, Inquisition did a great job of that, um, especially considering it was cross-gen between, you know, previous-gen and current-gen, or whatever you want to say. I guess we could say previous and (laughs) previous-previous. Yeah, exactly. John, what's your experience with Mass Effect? We've never really talked about it much. I've heard about it once, yeah. You've heard about it once? (laughs) I hear it's uh, I hear it's a pretty big deal. Now, like I said, I'm a PlayStation Nintendo guy. My experience with uh, that particular series is not huge. Did it eventually get to PS3? I can't remember now. Yeah, or is it only it did eventually. Microsoft? It, oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. it will the the Legendary Edition will come to um, PC and Xbox Series X, obviously, but also to uh, yeah. PS5, PS4 or five. Yeah, wonder if it will hit Switch or not. I hmm. would be surprised. I'd be surprised. I mean, given how Outer Worlds did, yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm excited for it. Uh, I don't know if I'll pick up the, the Legendary Edition trilogy because I still have all the original games anyways, and they still they look good. Like, we revisited Mass Effect 1 for Retro Encounter a couple years back now, and it was still an enjoyable experience. So, I don't know. We'll see. I'll, they'll have to really sell me on it for me to want to jump back in. But I, uh, I look forward to seeing what it brings and introducing new generations of fans to this franchise because we don't have a ton of like just really great sci-fi rpgs so it's nice to get another one to jump back into agree uh, but that that's our show i would say and uh thank you all for being on uh before we get things out we're going to um, ask a question that was asked us on twitter by brightchus uh they uh gave us a message on our uh, post back when i was asking for things so brightchus said really enjoyed the summer of steel games on twitch which uh Scott was doing a kind of a Summer of Cold Steel theme thing going through the Cold Steel series. Uh, so, Bright just asks, what games will we play this holiday? May we do some Persona 5 Royal? I feel that last bit is definitely geared towards our Twitch crowd and um, our streaming team. But uh, for myself uh, and for you gentlemen, uh, what are you planning on playing over the holidays? Uh, well, I am going to be continuing to play Divinity Original Sin with Amanda. Uh, we're having an amazing time with it. Oh, yeah, it's, nice. It's a, it's a phenomenal RPG. We're having such a fun time. Um, so, yeah, it's a, also a massive game, so we're going to be playing that over the holidays. Um, although there are a lot of games on my backlog, something I have been feeling a twinge about has been Fallout, and I was thinking I might just re-download Fallout 4 and max it out with as many mods as I possibly can that I have missed oh, fun. that I haven't played since I uninstalled it years and years and years ago. I did that with Oblivion a few years ago. It's yeah, it's a treat when you're like, I have a system that can do this. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking about maxing it out and putting as much new user created content into it as possible, including weapons and, and armor and quests and things like that and uh re experiencing that world. When you're down. Yeah, because yeah. I firmly apparently Fallout Four and the like I mean I always love Fallout Four. Some people are a little bit divided on it but apparently over the last yeah. couple of years with user generated content and mods it's become the ultimate fallout game um a lot of the problems almost every problem with the entire game has been fixed um and not just in terms of you know the usual right. bethesda bugs so yeah that that's something i've been thinking about doing over the over the holidays that'll be fun yeah uh, quentin what about you what are you what are you excited to uh, just kind of hunker down with and hibernate with 
So there's a couple of games that every few years I, I do for winter. One of them is kind of self-explanatory. The other one, I don't know why. It just kind of happens. Um, Skyrim is the one that is kind of obvious. You know, yay, snow, <laughs> ice everywhere. I get it. Yeah, um, yeah. And I can. And it's a very, like, wholesome comfort game yeah, in some weird way. Yeah, and I can bump up the graphics kind of similar to what Jono was saying. You know, uh, touch up on things, add some new content. That'll be fun. Uh, the other one, though, um, is Final Fantasy VIII. It's it's just weird. Um, it's it's something Fun. that it, I go back to every every few years, and it's always during the winter time. And I know when I first played it uh, in nineteen ninety nine when it came out, it was like winter time, and for some reason it's just stuck with me. You know, sometimes you have those memories that are like, I remember what the air felt like when I was playing this game, or or, or like I remember the familiar sense, and it works that way for a lot of things in life for me. And, and that's fair. Final Fantasy VIII, it's not even my favorite FF. It's it's like it's like middle of the road for me. I, I like it. I don't love it, but I go back but to it. But it's comfort food. It's comfort food. I, do you have the like the remaster that gives you like all the quality of life updates to get through it a bit better? Or are you playing like the OG PlayStation One? I have the remaster, and I haven't gone near okay. it before, so this will be a good time. This will be it. Gotcha. For myself, I want to wrap up uh, Horizon Zero Dawn finally because I just keep kind of jumping back to it when I'm doing. Uh, between RPG fan projects. Uh, I almost have wrapped up the Frozen Wilds DLC, and then I plan to go back to the Mace game and finish up uh, that storyline. Uh, I have maxed out Aloy, got all the skills, so I'm ready to take it all on. It's been just a joy. That game is just so good. The storytelling's great. Performances are awesome. I'm excited to see how that translates in the next gen with them pushing those boundaries of just those really real grounded performances again. Ashley Birch is a fantastic lead on it. It's just, oh, so good. So uh, I'm excited to wrap that up. And I challenged Audra, our reviewer, Audra Bowling. Who's been on we, fire uh, lately. Yeah, playing so many things. <laughs> we have a thing on our Slack channel uh, that our Felix leader got us on um, called Donut, where it kind of encourages everyone to do one-on-one meetings throughout uh, the weeks. And it, it's been a great way to get to know the team. And we had one where Audra and I were paired up together and we were just chatting about stuff. And Audra has never played Chrono Trigger. I have never played Chrono Cross. So we promised each other that sometime shortly between RPG fan projects, we're going to start playing basically through the series together, each each individual game, uh, and just kind of check back into each other and the experiences and share in it. Because she's played Chrono Cross, but not Trigger, and then vice versa for me. So yeah, it'll be, that's going to be my big, my next big project over the holidays between uh, review capture and stuff like that. Awesome. So I'm excited to uh, play a a classic, because I bought that game for the PlayStation secondhand ages ago, and I've just had it kicking around and yet to play it yet. So that's going to be what I do. Very nice. Yeah. So we've got, we've got some good holiday plans. So everybody, uh, that's the show. Uh, as always, follow us, subscribe to us on your uh, podcast player of choice. Leave us some comments on Apple and that helps us, you know, be more visible, get more people out there uh, listening to us. Email us at podcast at rpgfan.com if you have any comments, questions, concerns, you want to share things with us so we can read it on air. We've got some reader mail to uh, to bring up in a future episode. And uh, as always, we have Retro Encounter to listen to. We've got Rhythm Encounter being back. If you want some great RPG music, go give that a listen. Uh, the past couple episodes have just had some great themes to talk about. And uh, lastly, Phoenix Edge is keeping on the uh, the bleeding edge of uh, what's going on in rpg news in general so you got plenty of different flavors of podcasts and of course ours here so thank you so much for listening again quentin john thank you so much for being on today as always my pleasure thank you thank you yeah and uh yeah we'll get to you uh folks next time
Bye for now. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.